Tranny Wreck number 14. Hey, Dick, where are you? Well, he's not here right now. What's this? His uh, computer's still on. Well, let's go over here. What's this? She knew. Chick with Dick? Oh, this is interesting. Damn. This is kind of hot. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, this is hot. Oh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. 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 George. I heard you making strange noises in here. Oh, my. I'm... I'm um, what are you doing, George? Looking for terrorists on the internet. I'm spying. I mean, uh, protecting the American George, people. George, those don't look like terrorists. They look like long-haired men with Laura, big boobs. I'm a good Christian man. These are extraordinary times. George, do you realize you're podcasting on the internet right now? Oh, shit. Podcasting from Portland, Oregon, this is Tranny Rack. On tonight's show, we have an interview with transgender artist Lisa Marie Spitzer and how I feel about being an American. Don't go anywhere. Today is Sunday, January 22nd, 2006. Whether you're listening on Trans FM, podcasting, or direct download from trannyrec.com, thank you for listening to the show. Let's go ahead and get things kicked off by playing a song by Nice Peter. I found this on nicepeter.com. I heard it on another podcast. The name of the song is the Bush Song, and it has a lot of relevance to what we're going to talk about in the show today. George W., America will be proud to have a leader of such character. I want my fellow Americans at the bottom end of the economic ladder, and that's exactly what I'm going to do. I also want to go to Washington to get some drugs and alcohol. With the money from his folks Went off to college Was a frat boy Did a shitload of coke Went into politics Like his daddy With his ears and his grin Won an election The election That he didn't even win A shitty job so far 
comes on the TV and he tells us that we're winning the war. People like Polly, they are asking, what are we fighting for? He doesn't listen and he keeps on. He's got too much to prove. Well, Mr. President, can you hear this? Wants people to die Mr. President Of the United States You are bugging up These days Maybe he's Trying to Turn the whole World into was the Bush song by Nice Peter. You can check them out at nicepeter.com. I'm going to now play an interview of a transgender artist. Her name is Vanessa Marie Spitzer. I interviewed her during the week last week. The interview is about nine and a half minutes, and I'm going to go ahead and play that for you now. Vanessa is a young transgender lesbian singer from Michigan who also does spoken word vocals. She signed with Deadweight Records a year ago and has released three full-length albums. She has a very wide range of influences that include Anita Franco, The Ramones, and Chinese Happy. She refers to herself as an average feminist girl with a guitar. Her new album, 27 Remastered, will be available soon on CDBaby.com and also iTunes. Vanessa, thank you for joining me on Tranny Rick. It's uh, wonderful to be here. Good, good, wonderful. How old okay. were How old were you when you first realized that you wanted to become a musician? Um, I had been singing um, all my life in like uh, church choirs and high school choirs, um, but when I I uh, was offered to start working for Deadweight Records here in Mount Pleasant, Michigan. Um, was when I started picking up the guitar and playing uh, in between the bands as they were playing. And then that's how I started uh, playing the guitar and uh, writing my own songs. Wonderful. So so you were a, 
So, so you didn't start writing your own music until you got involved with Deadweight uh, Records. How did uh, how did you find them? Um, what uh, Deadweight Records is, um, my friend uh, Eric Nielsen, who is not necessarily the president of it, but it's uh, his uh, brainchild. Uh-huh. Um, he is a close friend of mine, and when he started it, um, uh, he invited me to come to his first show. And so I was coming to the shows and um, helping Eric out, and just then that's how I got involved with uh, Deadweight. Wonderful. Well, um, I, I played uh, one of your songs on uh, my last show, and uh, we're going to play another one tonight at the end of this uh, interview. Um, is your family supportive of uh, your career and uh, everything that's going on in your life? Um. It's half and half. Um, they they love that I am doing the music. They think it's a good uh, creative uh, outlet for me. Mm-hmm. But being transgender is something that they are they are not as supportive. Imagine with. that. Yeah, um, they're they're getting better and every day. So I thank them for them for that. But um, they're they're not where I would like them to be. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so how old were you when you first transitioned? Um, I am actually right now in my first full year of living full time. Wow. Um, but I was, you know, doing the part-time thing all last year. But um, this is my first year at college, um, and I've been living full time since uh, the first day I was I got to the campus, so... I, I bet that's been uh, pretty frightening at times. Um, it, it it has been, but I've had uh, great support with um, great people um, on the campus, uh, like the local GSA, mm-hmm. um, and just tons of people who have just been helping me out. How has uh, your experience as a trans woman um influenced uh your career thus far um well last year all my shows that i performed i performed um as a girl Uh and i started when i started writing songs about how i felt about being trans Uh um a lot of my early work um on some of my earlier cds are songs more driven about coming out as trans and dealing with that but now it's been more of I've associated myself with being trans mm-hmm. and I don't I didn't want to focus all my musical attention on being trans. I wanted I wanna be more than just, you know, the a trans girl, singer. Yeah, the trans girl with a guitar. Uh-huh. But um I my most of my spoken words I do are about being trans and dealing with that. Mm-hmm. Um I focus most of my spoken words and poetry on being trans. And the my music on other things. Oh, okay. That that's 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 excellent. Um, how uh, now? You you also identify as a lesbian. Now a, a lot of uh, listeners, it's really kind of hard to gauge who's listening to the show. But I do believe there is a certain percentage of listeners out there that. Uh, probably identify neither as trans or nor as a gay, lesbian, or bi. Uh, 
were you able to separate uh, the two uh, as far as gender identity and sexual orientation early on? I know it was a pretty confusing uh, path uh, for me at first. Um, with Well, I was very lucky to have a lot of really close friends um, who were part of the gay community. Uh-huh. And that's where I started, um, you know, figuring myself out at was within the gay community. Um, and with that, I, you know, realized that I was a trans woman. And then after I realized that I was a trans woman, I took the time to figure out who I was, who, um, I'm attracted to. And from that, I realized that I'm attracted to girls. And so that's kind of how I figured out that. So you basically, uh, dealt with, uh, Issues of uh, identity first, and then you dealt with the uh, figured out what your orientation was after that. Then, if I'm understanding you, yeah. Okay, great. Um, the the song we're gonna go ahead and play is the one uh, one of the the musical uh, selections that you uh, emailed me. I'm gonna go ahead and play the song "Fine" at the end of this uh, interview. Uh, would you mind describing some of the situations that have inspired, uh, well, first of all, that inspired this song? Um, okay. Um, this song, fine. Um, I was dating a girl who, um, broke up with me because, uh, she wasn't a lesbian, which was the first time I had ever, as a trans woman, dated somebody who knew I was a trans woman. And... She, it, it really broke my heart that she couldn't accept me being a, a woman, um, if that makes sense. Um, so I wrote this song um, expressing that, and that's why the lyrics say, you know, it was fine until, you know, you told me that you weren't, you said you weren't uh, attracted to girls. Um, because as I found out later in the relationship, it, it really was that I was trans and not because I was a girl. Um, so it really, that was my first time I ever dealt with somebody personally um, not uh, being attracted to me because I was trans. Both me and her had never been in a relationship uh, like this before, so we were both kind of grasping at straws for how to work the relationship out. And um, Sounded and I, like it scared her. Uh, I, I probably did. I'm not gonna lie. It probably did. Okay. Well, that that's great. So that that'll give uh, our listeners a little bit of uh, understanding uh, as to uh, the uh, situation that, that uh, inspired this song. Um, Vanessa, is there anything else uh, you would like to uh, tell uh, the listeners? Um, actually, this summer I'm going on a a, a tour. I'm going on a summer tour with a, a couple fellow uh, folk singer friends of mine, mm-hmm. and we're hitting up some uh, queer bookstores and um, some gay bars and uh, whatever else we can find in between. Um, so if people want to check out my MySpace account, which is mostly my website, which is www.myspace.com slash Vanessa Marie Spitzer, um, you can get all the dates for those shows. Um, and uh, I just want to thank you for allowing me to be on the show. Uh, if you uh, want to find uh, Vanessa's uh, website, there will be a link to this uh, on trannyrec.com in the show notes. 
and uh, I will try and uh, get it up in the links section as well. Uh, a link to her site will also be included in the music section of trannyrec.com. Vanessa, I do again uh, thank you for joining me, and uh, I wish you the best of luck in your career. Yeah, I wish you too. Thank you so much. Let's go ahead and play the song, Fine, that we talked about in the interview. This is by Vanessa Marie Spitzer. Hope you enjoy it. Shining lollipops and smiles Like you say it is If that's your world, well, that's fine with me I guess I punctured gas out of kindness That's all it was, I swear But I expected so much more And it was fine the story broke out and it was fine Till I found out and it was fine Till you got caught in your lie And you said you don't like girls You should've said girls like me But that's fine, yeah that's fine, fine with me Vanessa Marie Spitzer, check her out on myspace.com. I'm now going to segue this show into some politics. We're going to go ahead and play a bunch of clips from our fearless leader and my response to those clips. Our agenda for growing the economy and helping small businesses starts with wise tax policy. 
Our economy grows when American workers and families can keep more of their hard-earned money to spend, save, and invest as they see fit. Now, I hate paying taxes just as much as anybody else does. But let me tell you what the problem is with this. The lower our taxes get, the less services we'll have. Make no mistake, Americans. What's really happening here is... He wants to take the money out of the little guy and put it into the pockets of the big guy. The lower our taxes get, the more that benefits wealthy people. Because people like you and I, who are living from paycheck to paycheck, depend on certain services to uh, make sure that we have a quality life. First and foremost, education. Without the public education system, a lot of us would be fucked. The only purpose the No Child Behind Act has is to leave children behind. If you've really taken a close look at this, it's all about pulling federal money away from local schools who don't perform up to what is for many schools an unreasonable standard, an unreasonable expectation. Because if you don't have the proper funding, you can't have the right amount of teachers. You can't have high-quality teachers. So, therefore, your school just gets worse and worse and worse. And the worse your school is, the less money you're going to get from the federal government. That's what the No Child Left Behind Act is. Unfortunately, just as we are seeing how our tax cuts have created jobs and opportunity, some in Washington want to repeal the tax relief. Others want to just let it expire in a few years. Either way, they want to raise your taxes. If that happens, families across America would see their taxes increase dramatically. Small businesses would also pay higher taxes, which would mean less money to hire workers and buy new equipment. To keep our economy growing and our small business sector strong, we need to ensure that you keep more of what you earn. So Congress needs to make the tax cuts permanent. Do you want to know what the president means by small businesses? He means Walmart. What he's talking about here is trickle-down economics. Make sure people at the top are paying the lowest amount taxes as possible so they can share that wealth with the people below them. Well... Most of us know that it doesn't work out that way. The rich are getting richer, and the poor are getting poorer. And a lot of it has to do with this trickle-down economic policy. Because the less taxes the people are paying at the top, the more money they have in their little bank accounts. The less taxes people are paying at the bottom, the more problems they're having trying to get by because basic public services are going to shit. Here is a fundamental difference between conservative and liberal economic ideology. With conservative ideology, there is the basic assumption that everybody is on the same playing field, that the playing field is level. If you're poor, It's because of your own damn actions. It's your own damn fault, basically, if you're poor. If you're rich, it's because you took advantage of this wonderful capitalist system that exists in America and 
have used every opportunity to your complete and utmost advantage. The assumption is, is that all poor people have the opportunity to make money and to be successful, but they're just we're just too stupid to do it. It's not there's no such thing as discrimination based on skin color or gender or even perceived gender or even things as stupid as height, voice, appearance, uh, disabilities, uh, you name it. Those kind of discrimination of that kind does not exist. If you have any one of those issues going on in your life, too fucking bad. You should be able to ex- as succeed just as well as the 30-something white guy. Well, most of you know that things just don't work like that. That there is inequality in our country. That the playing field is not level. And we need the government to help make it level. Because it's not going to happen based on just pure capitalism. Uh, Walmart's going to continue paying wages as low as they possibly can. A lot of people that work for Walmart are going to depend on government assistance because they can't pay their own fucking bills. They can't uh, afford their own health care. They're going to rely on the government. So with either way you look at it, we need the government. We need to pay a, a healthy amount of taxes because if we're not paying those taxes, the government's not going to be able to help us help provide for the most basic services because minimum wage is barely livable. But if government comes in and forces employers to pay uh, workers a decent wage and provide decent health care, then that's less that we're going to have to spend as taxpayers on those basic services where we basically have to pay for uh, Americans who are underinsured or uninsured. So, that, you know, that's my whole take on uh, the difference between conservative and liberal economic ideology. For the sake of America's small businesses, workers, and families, we must also make health care more affordable and accessible. A new product known as health savings accounts helps control costs by allowing businesses or workers to buy low-cost insurance policies for catastrophic events and then save tax-free for routine medical expenses. Again, the president's solution to health care is not create universal health care. No, we don't want to do that. That would be absolutely awful. The government is uh, too big. Can't have that. Can't have a big government. Can't have that. No, no. We got to have savings accounts. Yeah. If you have a uh, major stroke or a heart attack or one of your organs fails and you have to spend two to three weeks in the hospital, well, why don't you just go ahead and save for that? Why don't you put some money in a little penny jar? I'm sure that'll pay for it. Hell, even if you put $20 out of every paycheck into a savings account, even if you put $100 out of every paycheck into a savings account, 
that's not going to cover shit. Healthcare is so fucking expensive in this country that if you have a major health problem occur, even with full health insurance, you're fucked. I saw this uh, uh, Michael Moore, you know, the evil American, the one who hates America. He had a show called The Awful Truth. And in one episode, uh, he uh, highlighted this individual that was going to die. This individual had complete health insurance through their employer. But a certain procedure, their insurance company decided they didn't want to pay. As a result, this person could not get this life-saving surgery. And as a result, if he didn't get the surgery, he was going to die. And that's just wrong. Your life, your health, should be whether you live or die, should not be left up to the insurance companies. And there's no way in hell you're going to be able to save just to cover these unexpected events. However, if we have universal health care in this country, the amount we pay into the system as taxpayers is going to be lower than what you're paying now to your employer's health insurance and what you're paying in copay and what you're going to pay in deductibles. As a taxpayer, you will save money. The system will be a lot more efficient because it'll be regulated by the people. Discrimination will be controlled. I'm not saying the system will be discrimination free, but when you have a system that is being controlled by the people, by the government, It's a lot easier to regulate discriminatory practices than it is when it's controlled by by the private sector. And it will be a lot more efficient because everybody will be covered and we won't be paying these ridiculous amounts for, uh, you know, emergencies or even basic health care. The terrorists want to attack America again and inflict even greater damage than they did on September the 11th. God help us all if we get attacked again. You want to know what scares me the most is not the actual terrorist attack itself. It's going to be the aftermath of the terrorist attack. You already saw how many uh, uh, liberties that uh, this government has tried to take away after 9-11 with the Patriot Act. And he's still fighting that tooth and nail. Congress has a responsibility to ensure that law enforcement and intelligence officials have the tools they need to protect the American people. God knows how many Americans this uh, administration is really spying on. There's no way that he's just spying on Americans that have been receiving calls from Osama bin Laden or Zarqawi, or how many Americans do you think are getting calls from terrorists overseas? Come on. You know who he's really spying on? He's spying on people like you and me who are dissenting, who are using our American right for free speech. That's who he's spying on. And what's going to happen if we get another attack? The right to free speech, the rights that make America great, are going to be stifled even 
more. I guarantee it. It wouldn't even surprise me if uh, this turns into a police state, if we have another 9-11 type attack. The justification is going to be used that in uh, modern day America, we cannot afford to have the freedoms that we once had. Uh, they're going to make the determination that safety is more important than freedom. And a lot of Americans that tremble at the boots every time we hear about a potential terrorist attack are going to go, okay, I guess I'd rather be alive or uh, safe than free. Well, I'm sorry. If I have to have all my freedoms taken away, I just don't think there's a choice. I think you can be safe and free at the same time. What this is is a power grab. And this government is using fear to try and seize upon that. I want to talk for a few minutes about the war in Iraq. The war in Iraq has been uh, probably one of the most passionate uh, national debates of uh, my lifetime. Uh, well, let's say my adult lifetime since I was really young uh uh, the Vietnam War was just wrapping up uh, when I was uh, born. So, and I have some very strong feelings about this. Uh, I served in the military for four years. I used to be very patriotic. And uh, I'm not anymore. I'm not proud to be an American. Now, did I say I hate America? No. I love this country. I love a lot of the things that this country has, and I do emphasize has, stood for. But I'm very concerned, as I've uh, already talked about today. I, I, you know, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say I'm completely to the left on the Iraq War, but I'm pretty damn far over there. Um, when uh, during the 2004 presidential campaign, I was a big supporter of Howard Dean. I wanted him to win so bad because he was the only politician that opposed the war right from the very beginning. Uh, I agreed with him on, the, on a lot of other social issues. Uh, I, I truly believe that Dean is one of those liberals that doesn't try and placate the right and the quote-unquote middle of America just to try and get elected, uh, unlike uh, John Kerry and a lot of other Democrats. I'm going to go ahead and play a promo now that is kind of a segue in uh, to what I want to talk about next, and that is the war in Iraq. The Military Brats Registry Podcast is for people who grew up in the military all over the world. The podcast contains stories by current and former dependents who lived where history was happening as it was happening. Here's a sample of what you'll hear. From? <laughs> um, I don't know. I was I was born in San Francisco, and I, I kind of consider that my home, but I never lived there. Because I didn't grow up anywhere. I moved every year or two. I don't have any place where I can talk about what it was like playing stickball. Some of the guys sitting in the back of the theater was full of families and GIs started screaming, get down, get down, it's coming. And people, the military didn't hesitate to follow orders. So it's uh, a coming home, uh, 
a return to how we grew up. It was an amazing reconnection for me to have a friend reach out after almost 40 years and say, gee, how are you doing? If you were to ask me who were the biggest influences on my life, it would be people that I knew for sometimes as little as a year. Whether you are a military brat or are just interested in listening to some fascinating stories of real life, stop by the Military Brats Registry at www.militarybrat.com and click the Registry News Podcast button on the right of any page or search for Military Brats in the iTunes Podcast Directory. Remember, every brat has a story. What's yours? I, like a lot of other Americans after September 11th, was glued to their television screen, crying uh, when I saw interviews of uh, victims and their families. I was very moved. And uh, I was one of the first people to be waving a flag. As a matter of fact, I had an American flag uh, on my windowsill in my uh, downtown Portland apartment. Uh, Even here in Portland, it was... uh, very popular to be patriotic at that time. I mean, hell, who wouldn't? Our country got attacked. And if you love your country, you're going to rally behind it, which we did. I supported uh, the decision to go into Afghanistan. Um, Looking back, I I have some second thoughts on that now, but uh, uh, generally I I think that was, uh, in the broader scopes of things, a justified war. Um, you know, could we have avoided it? Could we have found another way to respond to the terrorists? Probably. But I, I didn't have that big of a problem going into Afghanistan. I think I said Iraq. I'm not sure. Um, but what concerned me was only a couple of months later, Bush started talking about Iraq. Started talking about weapons of mass destruction. And how we got to get Saddam. Because he's a threat to America. And I started becoming a little suspicious. I'm like, wait a minute. How is Saddam tied to 9-11? They weren't saying that immediately after 9-11. It was all about Osama bin Laden. And eventually, Osama bin Laden became farther and farther and farther out of the public discourse. And Saddam Hussein in Iraq became more and more dominant in public discourse. And the, I just had problems with that from the very beginning. Um, I, yeah, I wasn't a big supporter of Bush. I didn't think he was that bad of a president. I wasn't, like, totally against him. I mean, I didn't vote for him um, in the 2000 election, but, you know, I didn't have any problems with him as a president until he went into Iraq. I think that uh, I hold our president responsible for everybody that has died since uh, the invasion of Iraq. When you talk about terrorists and what defines a terrorist, I would say there is a very compelling and strong argument to put our president on that list. And nothing would make me more happy than to see this man, this murderer, held accountable and impeached and put in prison for the rest of his fucking life. 
I think that history is going to judge him as one of the worst presidents in United States history. Because, folks, you think things are bad in Iraq now? They're only going to get worse. The only thing we can hope now is that this semblance of democracy that's still left in our country uh, can finally work. That uh, the American people are finally starting to wake up and see how shitty this president is. And hopefully the party that has been supporting him will get their asses kicked out of Congress in the 2006 election. Now, I'm not a big fan of the Democrats, but unfortunately, they're, in the net, they're all we've got right now. We've got to get some people in Congress that'll put this murderous president in check, and we have to bring our troops home. If you truly support the troops, then you'll want them home where they can truly defend America against true threats. Our president has an this? obligation to protect the American people Excuse by me? fighting terrorists in Iraq. Can you so shut up, don't please? Come here. Rebecca, you are the one that wanted me to come on to your show. If you were post-op, like myself, you might be a little smarter and understand. Excuse me, where do you get off talking like that to me on my show? Wait a minute. I invited you? Who the fuck are you? A podcast exclusive found only on Tranny Wreck. This is Ann Cooter, the neocon tranny. And what I was telling you, Rebecca, about the anti-American liberals is that... You weren't talking about liberals, you whorebag. And I don't remember... If you would quit interrupting me, then you would know that it's you and your American-hating friends are exactly who I'm talking about. Okay, you post-op bush blower. Why don't you educate me on why neocon conservatives such as yourself are so much smarter than us liberals? Well... First of all, Rebecca, you need to understand what is wrong with you. You don't have the smarts of a man or the vagina of a woman. As a result, you are too wrapped up in your own sexual retardation to understand the complex issues like keeping the American people So safe. what you're saying is that your brain is in between your legs? How? dare you say that to me? That must mean you're more like a man with a pussy. You must hate America and Lord Jesus. Why? Because I think the Iraq war is wrong and that you masturbate to President Bush talking about terrorists? What does this have to do with Jesus? Jesus does not approve of your liberalism. You need to repent and accept Jesus Bush. As your Wait a minute. savior. Jesus' last name was not Bush. Even though I'm not a Christian anymore, that is absolutely insulting. You know what, Rebecca? Jesus was honored 
to change his last name to Bush. He told me so. I love Jesus with all of my vagina. George and Jesus Bush accept me as the woman I am. I think you're transphobic. No, Anne. I'm cooterphobic. Now get the hell off my show, you whore. I'll be back, Rebecca. You know you want my divine pussy. Hopefully that uh, whore bag is gone. Let's go ahead and play a song off the Podsafe Music Network. The name of this song is called Critical Times, and it's by Adek. I hope I didn't fuck that name of the artist up. I hope you enjoy. The same old slave master today has Negroes who are nothing but modern Uncle Toms, 20th century Uncle Toms, to keep you and me in check, keep us under control, keep us passive and peaceful and nonviolent. That's Tom making you nonviolent. Just a word to the wise, open your eyes, 88.5, help dispel the lies. If my lyrics don't inspire you, better check your pulse. What do you inspire to do? I think your motivations are false. I'm about to change the game with a stroke on my pen, so pay attention to what I'm saying. Whether it's honesty or politics, my race are these critics. This style can't be ignored, men sleeping in the streets, kids with no food to eat, countries without electricity. Subject matter addressed by me, as I confess, there's so much stress, put my will to the test. I hope you're it's a real, cause this ain't a record deal Hip-hop has lost all its appeal If you emanate words, I can't condone them You can't exist to me, thoughts void of reality I saw your artificial justice when you left here I'm in the right mind, out my left ear My rhymes are infectious, the media can't control us Program my mind with a virus, the capitalistic and the peerless They fear this, I'm not a conformist Deconstruct my rhymes and my rhymes And read between the lines and the lines are not part of the system On this antipsychotic medication my control situations, advertising relations, public radio stations, reaching out to the public, cause times have gotten critical, we're facing a police state, cause the media's subliminal, you walk through the gate, and you'll be shackled and chained, and then you're a slave to the state, open your mind and control your fate, or you'll get raped, then let's then see the rap about foreign policy, cause it affects me even in this country, our policies are scary, never join the military, there's no quality of liberty, so why fight for this country, Dr. King had a dream to eliminate the schemes, any means necessary, that means justice for everybody, jobs for everybody, equal housing for you and me, but when will I see, fair lending practices, perhaps it's too much to ask for, drug laws are target one race, cops only see the color of my face, this ain't a slave patrol, you got laws to uphold, it's almost 2004, but they make more, I got critical rhymes for these critical times, powerful words in these critical lines, before you wave a flag at me or call this for this country, another thought for me, where are my reparations from this wealthy nation, how about 87 billion for my black citizens? Since I was pushed for listen, I was for him and his drunk children. I'm still struggling, worried about a job, not been lying. No plane hit the Pentagon. If I was a lyrical assassin, what should be gone? But I shut my mouth before I get snatched at my house, labeled a threat to national security, held indefinitely. No council representing me, it's a Patriot Act. I didn't vote on that. As a matter of fact, listen, everyone, I think it's about one of those times again where we rise up and start a revolution. Critical times need a critical solution. The human rights revolution.
to make America what it ought to be. We have an opportunity to make America a better nation. That's Tom making you nonviolent. That was Critical Times by a Dick, courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network. Uh, this show has been uh, very political today. Uh, I've had a lot of stuff on my mind that I've been wanting to share with you, but every time I plan on doing a show about any of the topics I've talked about today, I've just kind of had a brain freeze, and so I've kind of had to do this bit by bit. I want to go ahead and uh talk a little bit about uh, some sports. Uh, I haven't talked about sports uh, for a while on the show, and uh, I do have this show listed on the sports category because sports is one of my uh, joys. I just got done watching um, the two uh, conference championships games today in football, uh, the AFC and NFC championship games. Um, neither one were as close as I expected them to be. I have to say I'm very happy with the outcome. Um, I am glad the the Steelers won, well, because frankly, the biggest reason my boss is from Pittsburgh. She's a big Steelers fan, and it's always nice to have her in a good mood on Monday mornings. So, plus, I'm... I've been following the Steelers a little bit vicariously through her, and uh, I'm really glad uh, anytime somebody like Jerome Bettis gets a chance to go play in the Super Bowl after a long and productive career, I'm really happy for him. That said, uh, I'm really excited about the Seahawks making it uh, to the Super Bowl. Uh, There are no professional teams up in this area of the country that have won anything in the three major sports in a long, long time. So I have to say I'm going to be a Seattle homer uh, during the Super Bowl. College football, what a great season it was. I have to say I'm really happy with how the season ended for my Utes. So that's all the sports I'm going to talk about. Uh, Just a little update. Um, I'm still uh, in the process of figuring out what doctor I'm going to see. I'm going to talk a lot about that in my next show because I'm having a lot of problems. Uh, That ugly old HIV discrimination bug is roaring its ugly head again. And I'm going to be talking about uh, that on my next show. Uh, The next show is going to focus a lot on uh, the discrimination I face being HIV positive versus the discrimination I face being a transsexual woman. And let me tell you, uh, to have both of those lumped on top of each other sometimes is not fun. So look forward to me bitching in my next show. But it'll be productive bitching because it's stuff that needs to be said. I received a few emails from listeners that I'm going to go ahead and share with you now. I haven't gotten any voicemails this week, but let's go ahead and get into the email. This first one is from Daniel. Dear Rebecca, I just recently became aware uh, of and interested in podcasts, and yours is one of my favorites. I am a subscriber. I too live in the Portland, and for the past two years, I've been producing the Sister Paula Show for Community Access Television. In case you don't know of her, 
Sister Paula is a transgender preacher who has been on public access for the past 20 years. She was also a regular performer at Darcell's for a number of years. Paula is eager to reach a wider audience, and I'm just start, starting to look into podcasting her show. I'd love to get any advice you might have about what we should do to get started and any tips you may have learned along the way. Paula has recently been given a website through a group called Gray Bible Christians. Uh, the name of the site is gaybiblechristians.org slash sisterpaula. Click the Thoughts from Paula link and you'll get a good feel for who she is and where she's coming from. Anyways, thanks again for a wonderfully entertaining and honest program and I eagerly await the next episode. Regards, Daniel. Man, I really suck at reading emails, uh, but I'm glad I get them. Thank you. Uh, Daniel, thank you for uh, emailing me. I uh, went ahead and replied to Daniel's email personally and uh, gave him my phone number. And uh, I'm going to be working with him and Sister Paula on producing a uh, podcast for uh, the topics that she wants to cover. And hopefully, eventually, I know this is being uh, ejaculating uh, prematurely, but uh, hopefully we can get her on Trans FM as well. This next email is from Katrine from the UK. She says, hey, I'm about to get kicked out of the library, but before I forget, I just wanted to let you know that some random girl in the UK was listening to your show and loving it. So, damn it, you got your feedback, Katrine. Well, thank you, damn it. I appreciate that, Katrine, for uh, those kind words. I also got an email from an artist that I promoted on uh, my last show, Trainee Rec 13. This is from uh, Stephen from uh, Point 22. Hi, this is Steve from Point 22. Wanted to thank you for playing our song, Pass It On. Feel free to play any more of our music you wish. We are three expats living playing and sucking up Taiwan. We've been together for about three years, loving life and sending you a big shout out. Thanks again. I always love getting uh, emails from artists. That's one of the great things about the Podsafe Music Network is as soon as I play a song, I'm able to report it back to the artist that I played it. So if you are a musical artist and you don't have your music on the Podsafe Music Network, you need to get it on there because you'll get a lot of exposure on there. If you have uh, any feedback on today's show or any of my previous shows, uh, my voicemail line is 503-608-7363, or again, 503-60-USE-ME. Email trainerick at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, let's go ahead and... Uh, end this uh, dead horse here by, or let's go ahead and end this sick horse by uh, playing a song off of the Podsafe Music Network. The name of the song is Jack and Billy, and it's by Three Blind Mice. Hope you enjoy. Again, thank you for listening.
exercise Barry on his head side Oh, Jack's out in the rain He never really cared about the weather much anyway Oh, Jack and Billy boy, what a joy Jack and Billy boy out in it again Heading for the spinny on a wet day Say you're happy now Are you happy now? 
child, he seemed to lose his way a bit anyway. Well, I remember three things that he really loved. His wife Winnie, his old dog Billy, and his cuckoo clock. Jack came out of his darkness just for a moment on the day Winnie died. She was a good wife to me, he said. And his face dropped, and he stopped his cuckoo clock, and he never did sing again. Jack slipped back into his world, wherever that may be. Probably with Billy in some wet spinny somewhere. Say you're happy now.